Well, today is a great feast day of the Ascension of our Lord, and this is, uh, I always like to start off my homilies on Ascension Thursday by saying, thank God that we actually have Ascension Thursday on Thursday. We're one of the last uh, sections of the United States uh, that actually does that. Uh, vast majority of dioceses across America will transfer this to Sunday. And that's just really cheesy to have Ascension Thursday on a Sunday. You know, can you imagine having Good Friday on a Sunday or something like that? So that's, it's a wonderful thing that we, in this area, keep the feast day on its, on its proper day. Today what I, I'd like to speak about, there's so many different truths and mysteries that are conveyed to us and revealed to us on this feast. Today I'm just going to focus on a very simple idea that God is patient and that he doesn't expect perfection right away. He, he heads us in that direction, but he doesn't expect perfection right away in that he's, he's very, very patient. The question naturally arises, uh, Jesus says to the apostles, okay, um, you got to wait until the day of Pentecost. you got to wait and say, well, is it, is, is it then that you're going to restore the kingdom of God to Israel? Okay, so the apostles want things to happen fast. All right, they expect things to happen fast. And Jesus says, wait, wait, okay. And his injunction to us to wait is based really on his patience. Because he's patient with us, we need to be patient with ourselves and patient with others. And grace, God's grace takes time. God's grace takes time. Not because there's some kind of limitation or lack in God's grace, and the power of God's grace, but because grace interacts with us according to our nature. And our nature is changeable, and it's subject to development, and change and development imply time. Simple as that. Okay? And so it's not that grace can't accomplish all of God's will in an instance It's that we ourselves are creatures that are necessarily subject to development and process. And so grace interacts with us according to our own nature, and so grace takes time. And so God is patient with us, and he has, as it were, a sort of pedagogy, meaning an educational plan for us. The ancient Catholic theologians known as the Church Fathers talk about God's pedagogy, And how God deals with human beings, he deals with them like a teacher. And so we just can't jump from kindergarten to senior high in one leap. You've got to first go to first grade and then second grade and third grade and fourth. So you've got to graduate progressively from one stage to another to another. And this is how God deals with humankind in so many dimensions, so many ways. When it comes to our moral conversion, when it comes to our coming to understanding of the ways of God, and also when it comes to prayer as well. So I'm going to kind of speak about those those three things. When it comes to our moral conversion, we need to be patient with ourselves and with others because God is patient with us. Our moral conversion does take time. I know in my own personal life there's a scripture passage from the Old Testament from the Book of Wisdom that I have always found very encouraging and, and true for myself. It says... Therefore, God, you do correct little by little those who trespass, and you remind and warn them of the things wherein they sin. 
that they may be free from wickedness and put their trust in thee. But that whole idea of God correcting us little by little. Okay, little by little. And uh, I know in my own life it's it took me uh, many, many years before I had a fully mature adult understanding of my faith and ability to commit to it at the level of uh, faith and at the level of my, my morality. And because God was patient with me uh, and great gratitude uh, to him, uh, I hope at least uh, that I can be patient with others. Uh, and how God deals with mankind as a whole is a lesson for how he deals with us individually and how we as individuals need to deal with ourselves and with others. Looking at that whole issue of how God deals with mankind as a whole, again, the Church Fathers employing this concept of God's pedagogy talk about how the incarnation itself, God becoming man, how come, you know, the question naturally arises, how come God didn't become man like right away? So as human beings sinned, how come the incarnation didn't take place and Jesus just kind of just take care of everything right away? How come all of this long waiting? Again, the lack is not on God's part, but it's on our part. God needed to teach us and bring us to a place, humanity as a whole, wherein we would be ready to receive our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God that become incarnate. If we can recall, if anybody's ever been to the Christmas Midnight Mass, if you haven't, shame on you, make an effort and do it before before you die. Because it's a beautiful, beautiful liturgy, one of the most beautiful liturgies of the year. And right in the beginning, the deacon will do the Christmas proclamation. And he says, and basically what they do is they go through all of these different eons and time periods. It's like so many thousands of years after this event and so many hundreds of years after this event and so many dozens of years after this event. Da, 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 da. And then it says... The whole world being at peace, our Lord Jesus Christ became incarnate. The whole world being at peace. The ancient fathers talk about the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. Okay, God actually, before he could become incarnate, needed to prepare the world and to bring about a civilization, the Roman civilization, that was large enough to impose its law over a significant enough portion of the world whereby there could be things like, well, writing and a postal service, so to speak. They had a primitive kind of postal service and a method of getting messages across the Roman Empire. They had roads. That's a big deal. They had, they had roads. That's a really big deal. Can you imagine if the world would just consist of these little tiny tribes all warring with each other? Thousands of tribes all over the world and they're all at war with each other. How could the gospel ever make any progress in a, in a world like that? Okay, So there needed to be the Pax Romana. They, there needed to be the Roman peace. There needed to be roads. There needed to be ships for the apostles to travel around. Okay, There needed to be letter writing so that Paul could write his letters and promulgate the gospel all over the world. So those things had to be in place first before Jesus could become incarnate. And then even after he becomes incarnate, he's with his disciples for three full years. It took them that long before they were ready to, to encounter and to confront the crucifixion. And then after the resurrection, the Lord takes 40 days, 40 days of teaching, of educating them. But even after all of that time, 
the apostles still had serious misconceptions. So they say to them, say to Christ before he ascends into heaven, as we hear in our first reading, Lord, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And they were, they had a literal understanding of the kingdom of God. They thought that the kingdom of God coming in its fullness would entail the Jewish people uh, becoming the head of the nations. Okay, politically sovereign. They had a political, literalistic, earthly understanding of the kingdom of God. Even after 40 days of receiving direct instruction from Jesus, risen from the dead, they still had serious misconceptions. And so the day of Pentecost comes. They're uh, illumined by the Holy Spirit. But there is still more time that's needed for them to learn. There was years and years that would progress during the apostolic era where important questions were debated. Do Gentiles, when they're coming into the church, do they first need to be circumcised and become Jews before they're baptized and become Christians? It was an open question, and it needed to be worked out. See, their understanding was imperfect, and so God was patient with them, and their understanding grew. And moreover, we learn that even after those 40 days of instruction, before God could send the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Between the Ascension and the day of Pentecost, there needed to be nine days of prayer. The first novena, nine days. How come the Holy Spirit couldn't come on day two? How come not on day three? Why fully nine days? The lack, again, is not in God's power or in his ability, but it's on our part. And something that we don't fully understand from our perspective here on earth is that God desires to answer our prayers more than we desire to have them answered. God desires to answer our prayers, of course, when we pray according to his will. When we pray according to his will, he desires our prayers to be answered more than we want them to be. And so he waits, and he's patient, and he allows our desires to grow, and for us to struggle, and to persevere in prayer, so that our hearts become enlarged, and begin to at least approximate the depth of the desire that God has for us. I think of the famous story of St. Monica and St. Augustine. St. Augustine is a young man, teenager, 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old. He was a wild man. He was getting into lots of trouble and chasing women, and he was a real handful. And his mother, St. Monica, a good Catholic, was pulling out her hair and didn't know what to do with him, and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and years went by, and... St. Augustine continued to uh, behave in a wayward fashion. Uh, even went off and he, in his pride, he joined this heretical sect called the Manichaeans. And it wasn't until he was 30 years old, 16, 15, 16 years after St. Monica began to have worries about him, that he was finally baptized and fully converted uh, to the Catholic faith. But you know, St. Monica's desires for him really were not proportionate to God's desires for St. Augustine. And God was patient with St. Augustine, yes, but he was also patient with his mother. His mother wanted St. Augustine to be a good boy. He wanted, she wanted him to be baptized, to live a, a wholesome Christian life. Uh, but she also wanted him to, you know, marry up in life and get you know, some goodies on this earth and become a famous rhetorician. She had these sort of worldly designs for him. That wasn't what God wanted for him. God wanted him to be a bishop and a theologian and one of the greatest thinkers that would go on to influence the life of the church for its entire lifespan. 
It's one of the most important saints. To this very day, how we as Catholics articulate our understanding of Christ's teaching is very much informed by the teaching of St. Augustine. How influential of a saint he is. How amazing that is. Could his mother have conceived that that's actually what God wanted for him? And so God was patient with St. Monica just as much as he was patient with the moral conversion of St. Augustine. And he waited until her desires and her prayers were more spiritual and were more in alignment with God's desires for St. Augustine. So my brothers and sisters, this applies to us. Very, very important lesson. We need to be patient with ourselves because God is patient with us. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to learn to depend upon God's grace. The, God, the only thing that can change us from the inside out. And we need to be patient with others. We cannot change anyone. You can't just come to someone and manipulate them or force them or whatever you're going to do. It's not going to work. The only hope is prayer. Because prayer is the key to unlocking the grace of God in our hearts. And that grace works according to our human nature, which takes time to develop and to change. So my brothers and sisters, especially in this you know new season of clustering that we're entering into, let's be patient with ourselves, with one another. Let's understand that all things, uh, according to God's plan, takes time. And uh, this is one of the many truths that we learned today on the Feast of the Ascension.